Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Now here's where we're going this morning. I'm going to make three statements that I believe are very pertinent to what we're talking about. And then I'm going to share a message that is called what I have called in his house, but not in his presence. And you'll understand that a little bit better as we go. Then I'm going to share with you what happens when a person lives life in his house, but not in his presence and the results that it brings. And then I'm going to share with you what I see out of this same passage in Luke 15, how it is that we can get into the presence of God and stay there. I spent a few moments with my friend Heather. Heather was a young teenage girl when I first met her. And she shared a little bit of her journey into where she is now. And I believe that if we were to quiz her a little bit further, that she would say to you and to me that part of the trouble in my life, I was in the house, but not in his presence. Is that true? So this is not something to be taken lightly. I'm going to explain to you what I believe the presence of God is meant to do in your life. Most of us, many of us, especially those of us that were raised in the religious community, I have always been in church all my life. I went to church nine months before I was born. And I have lived most of my life in church. But the problem was... I was in his house, but I did not understand being in his presence. And some of you today are going to find yourself confronted with the reality that that's me. That that's me. I'm in his house. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven, but I have no concept of being in his presence daily, moment by moment, enjoying his company as we live life. I believe that it is more important today that I stay in his presence and that you live in his presence than it's ever been in my lifetime. These are perilous times. You say, oh, pastor, there's always been tough times. I know that. But there hasn't always been tough times in my life. We're living in a precarious, uncertain future. God is able. God is for us, not against us. I'm not concerned about that. But I believe that Jesus came that you and I might live life not as a victim, but victorious. I believe that God's plan for us is that we conquer, not be conquered. That we not endure, but we enjoy the life that He's given us in Christ Jesus. There was an awesome price paid for what you and I have been given if we name the name of Jesus. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to jump right in and take a look at what the Lord has prompted us to do. Father, won't much happen in this place today unless you do something. It's not about how clever my words are. It's not about how, really it's not even how much we want it to happen. It's about the Holy Spirit and His manifesting Himself in our midst, causing us to look once again deep inside of us and say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection 
and the fellowship of your suffering. And I want to walk with you. And I want to live my life with the awareness that you are in me, with me, and for me, irregardless of the things that surround me. If you're here today and you're lost, God says, I want you to be saved. I have orchestrated this day for your salvation. If you're here and you're sick, God says, I want you to be healed today. If you're here and you're possessed with spirits and demons, God said, I want you to be set free today to glorify my name. Father, thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to talk with you, first of all, about something you may or may not heard, and that is the three omnis of God. God is omniscient. That means He's all-knowing. He knows every single thing. He knows what we think. He knows where we are. He knows who we are. And He is for us. How do I know He's for us? Because He gave His only begotten Son to redeem you and me so that we might live our life in His presence. Not only is He omniscient, He is omnipresent. That means that He is everywhere, all the time, everywhere, all the time. See, what you may not have realized, our series this season, is that you might know how to do that. The reality is, God is in your presence all the time. Paul said this to the church in Corinth, even if you enter into a relation with a prostitute, he's there. Now think about it, church. You see, it's not that the presence of God is not present with us. It's we don't comprehend the reality of His presence. Do you understand that? It's key that you understand this. We're not saying that God is not with you at some times. God is with you all the time. He knows everything about you. That's because He's God. And not only that, He's, in, he, he's omnipotent. In other words, that, that means He's unlimited in His power. He's all-knowing, ever-present, unlimited in His power. But there is a difference between His omnipresence and His manifest presence. God is everywhere, all the time, all the time, everywhere. That's God. That's who He is. But there are seasons in our life when He chooses to manifest His presence with us. In other words, there is the knowing that He's with me, but there is enjoying the season when I am aware of His manifest presence in me. We come to church, we sing wonderful songs. We have great musicians. They lead us into what we call the presence of God. And maybe you get the warm fuzzies. Maybe you get the chill bumps, the goosebumps. Maybe you sense some aura of peace around you. Wonderful. But what I'm talking to you about this morning is when you leave and go out there and in the morning the boss meets you at the front door and you can do nothing right or you go home this afternoon and the phone rings 
and it's not them calling about your car warranty is about to expire. It's somebody with some really bad information. Now what I'm talking about is can I have that same confidence that I had when the praise team was leading us into His presence? Can I have that same presence in that moment? That's what we're talking about this morning. Now let me demonstrate this, illustrate this by a couple of passages. I'm talking about His manifest presence. Notice what He said here in Luke 5. He said this, One day Jesus was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea from Jerusalem. Now notice the next phrase, And the power of the Lord was present for Him to perform healing. Now that's, he, he, he saw, he sensed, he knew, hey, folks get healed today. Well, is God not the healer? Yes, he's the healer all the time. But there is a season, there's a manifest presence when his ability to move is enhanced. It's, it's uh, exaggerated. It says, yes, I can receive today. Now, I want to compare that with this passage here. And Jesus could do no miracles there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. You see, I'm saying to you this morning that, that it, even though God is all sovereign, and He's all-knowing, and He's all-powerful, that there is a place where you and I can live. There, there is a place where you and I can stay. There is that secret place, irregardless of the circumstances, that you and I can live in to where we have the same confidence in God, even though the circumstances around us are not favorable for us in the midst of that. So we're going to talk about this morning in his house, but not in his presence. And we're going to take Luke 15 and talk about. Luke 15 is a chapter about lost stuff. It's about lost sheep. It's about lost coins. And it's about a lost son who really wasn't lost. He just wasn't in his father's presence. Now, I want you to understand my definition of presence. Most of you wives know what it is to talk to your husbands when he's not present. I mean, he's there in the room. He's across the living room from you, maybe looking you in your eyes, but he's not there. Now, I'm talking about a consciousness of a God, of a Holy Spirit, who lives on the inside of me, so that I know if all hell is breaking loose around me, that God's with me. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of presence I believe that He wants you to live in, and He wants me to live in. Now, here's my definition. A certainty, a constant knowing, an awareness, and personal acknowledgement. In other words, I acknowledge, God, that you're with me. God is with me, He is in me, and He is for me, regardless of what's happening around me or inside of me. Whatever I'm thinking Whatever I'm experiencing, the reality is I know God is in me, He's with me, and He's for me. Now that's my definition of presence, and that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. Three statements I want you to hear, because I believe they're pertinent to our subject in the midst of this. Number one, you will never experience the presence of God apart from the Holy Spirit. There is no way 
that you can deny the work of the Spirit and get into the presence of God. See, what religion has done for us, what I lived a great deal of my life and my spiritual experience in, was based upon a performance-based understanding of God. When I was a young boy growing up, as I said, I was in church all my life. So when I was in the youth group, and, and I went to 16 different schools before I graduated high school. No, I didn't graduate at 50. It just seemed to me like it. I went, my dad worked construction and we moved. Sometimes I would go to as many as three schools a year. Well, that meant we went to three churches a year because where Daddy went, where Henry went, Clara went. Where Clara went, we went, all of us kids. As a young person, we were taught more about the value of what we did not do are you hearing me? Than we were about the value of what we did do. So we were rewarded and applauded if we did not smoke or drink or cuss or in those days go to drive-in movies. But never do I remember Anybody ever getting overly excited by the right things, about the excitement of learning and becoming. And so I grew up not knowing much about his presence, but knowing a world about his house. I knew all the Bible stories. Just like many of you, I knew all of those scriptures of salvation. I knew the Romans' road to salvation. But I never, ever was able to separate the way I acted from God's approval of me. Let me say this to you. Well, I'm going to say it in a minute, but I want to say it so some of you are slow learners. So I'm going to say it twice. I may say it three or four times. God wants to spend time with you. Now hear me now. Yes, with all your blemishes and all your bumps and all your problems. You know, I was reading some, uh, some of you guys posted on Facebook. Well, you know, if you went out and slept around last night, go to church anyway. Well, if you're drinking, go to church anyway. I pray that would do some good. I, I like to think it would. Surely you'd be exposed to the truth, hopefully. But listen to me. God wants more than you go to church. He wants more than you to be in His house. He wants to spend time with you. He, he wants you to be in His presence. He, he, he wants you to just be with Him. You know, don't go to God looking for a, a silver star on your chart of behavior. Go to God and say, Father, I just want to be with you. just want to spend some time with you. You'll never experience that apart from the Holy Spirit. You want some scriptures? We've got to. He said, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Holy Spirit talking about revelation to you. He will glorify me. He said he'll take and disclose. He'll, the Holy Spirit will tell you about the Father. Did you ever hear somebody talking about somebody that you had never met, and then you met them and you thought, hello, is that the same person? Listen, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you into the truth about the Father. 
He's going to tell you he loves you. He's for you, not against you. He has a plan and a destiny for you to walk in. There's a future and a hope for you. Listen to me, please. We need that in this day. I've never seen so many people adrift. No anchor. No, no, no direction. No purpose. Where are you going? What are you doing? Well, I don't know. I, oh, Jesus, reveal yourself to us that we might know who you are. Look at this. Secondly, the only way you will know the true character of God is through his word. How many of you know there's a lot of hearsay about God? I was talking to my sister, bless her heart, sweet lady, loves God, loves Jesus. Seven years my senior, and she has this concept. Well, whatever happens, it's God. See, that is probably the idea of most people that have been in the house. See, we all have some concept. Even the atheist has some concept of God. You understand that? The only way you'll know the true character of God is by the Word of God. You'll not learn it from me. You'll not learn it from Pastor. You'll not, you're going to have to get in the Word to where you believe the Word is telling you what God is like. See, there's a lot of God-isms out there. A lot of them are not true. ever been to the funeral of a heathen? I mean, an out-and-out out heathen. Thumbed his nose at God. And then to have someone stand and say, well, they've gone to a better place. No, they haven't. They've died and gone to hell without Jesus. Now, we don't want to deal with that. We, we, don't, we, want, we want to think all dogs go to heaven. Well, I don't know if dogs, all dogs go to heaven or not, but I know all people. How do I know that? Because the Bible says broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there are that's own, but narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there are that find it. See, we need to understand the God of the Bible if we're going to get into his presence. Listen, if, if you come to God and you're like, oh, God, oh, God, I'm just a sinner. Oh, God, forgive me for all I've done. I, I'm just so sorry and I, I'm so worthless and I'm just a worm. I don't blame you that you don't come to him if he makes you feel that way. Now, is there a season when we approach God with that, that kind of, yes, yes. But not on a regular basis. We've been bought with a price. We've been bought with the blood of Jesus. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus. We are chosen. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are children of the Most High God. Listen, uh, some of you may have been raised in a home where you had an abusive daddy and and, and, and you said, hi, Daddy, and he'd slap you across the room. I'm sorry. But that's not your heavenly Father. That's not the God of heaven, the Father of Jesus Christ. That He loves us. I'm going to show you in the Bible how God looks at sinners. He's not out to get them. He's out to get them, but not to get them in the wrong way. He loves you. He wants to spend time with you. You are precious. Now, I was the baby of the family. And uh, I wouldn't say I was spoiled. But I probably smelt bad. But, but I don't ever remember a time in my life and I just turned 79 Friday by the way I don't ever remember a time in my life 
when I ever doubted my father and my daddy desired the very best for me and they would have given their life for me and I knew that because that's the character of who they were. They had proven that to me. They loved me and if you didn't have that, I'm sorry. But the good news is you've got a father now who loves you like that, who welcomes you into his presence, who longs for you to come home. You know, us old people, we get old and our kids move off to all over the world, you know, and, and, uh, and we think, boy, you would like to see our kids or our grandkids. All three of our grandsons live in Colorado. And they got lives of their own, but we think, even yesterday my wife said, you know, I wish our grandsons could come and see us. That's how your father is. <laughs> he says, says I, I, I wonder what Rob's doing today. I hope he drops by this afternoon so we can visit. That's God of the Bible in the midst of that. Now, here's a third statement. Well, let's skip a couple things. I don't want. All right. God desires your company. Let me catch up with myself here. Oop. Oh, Jesus. Okay. We're catching up. We've already talked about that. God wants to spend time. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Now, I thought this verse is good. You guys listen to this. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now, notice this next phrase. For such, the people, the, such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Now, you know, I've always centered it on the worshiper instead of the people. You know what he's saying? I want people, and I want them to worship me. It's not, I want everybody to worship me. No, no, I want the people who do worship me. You, you see the difference in that, that concept that's there in, in the midst of that? Be still and know that I am God, the Scripture says in James chapter 4. Now let's talk about this. What do I mean in his house but not in his presence? I want to show you scripturally, and it's a rather lengthy passage, but I believe I'll just, I think we need to read it. It's Luke chapter 15. Now, I know people don't bring their Bibles to church anymore. Up oh, there's one. How many hard copies we got? Well, Hallelujah. Now listen, would you reach over there and wipe the dust off of it and, and open it up? But I put it on the screen for those of us so we can read. Now listen carefully to what it is. It's just a story about a man who had two sons. Now I'm going to read it because I think it's important. And he said, this is Jesus speaking. A man had two sons. The youngest of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Well, da -da -da -da. and not many days later, whoop, we went, I'd already went, didn't want that to other. And he said, let me just read it off of your screen. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. There he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that land, in that country, and he began to be impoverished, and he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country that sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with pods that the swine were eating. No one was giving anything to him. Next phrase. Listen carefully. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's men have more than enough, and I am here dying of hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned. Notice this, against heaven and in your sight. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, now you want to know the real God of the Bible? Here he is. His father saw him and felt compassion toward him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and it's been found and they begin to celebrate. Now that gives you a good picture of the Father, the God of the Bible. He is for us. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to live in His house. He wants us to abide in His presence. He's for us and not against us. Now I want to share with you what happens when you live in the house, but not in his presence, and it begins in the next verse. And not many days later, oh, excuse me, that's looking at the wrong one. Now, his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, now remember how many sons did this man have? And the younger one did what? He took all his money and wasted it. Is that right? He didn't take care of what he had. It brought him to the dire end, did it not? Now, some of you in this house today, that's where you are. You have embraced what the world has told you. You have listened to the educators. You have even listened to the newscasters. The most uncredible people in all the world are newscasters. You know why? Because they just read what's on the paper. Oh, listen to me, church. You got to know the God of the Bible, not the God of this world, not, the, not your mama's God, not your daddy's God. You got to know God for yourself. You got to get into His presence. You got to know Him. You got to spend time with Him. You got to let Him reveal yourself to Him. He wants to know you, and He wants to spend time with you, and He won't listen. He wants to do for you what the Word says He'll do for you. He, that's his heart. He wants to bless you. He wants to be, listen, he wants to heal your body. More than that, you know, some of you here today, and you're so afraid to let anyone get close to you because you don't want to be hurt again. You've been hurt so many times. So you just build this. You know, years ago before we, started Harvest Time Church. I, I had pastored other churches, some in the area and, and some away from this area. And while the majority of those years were great years and those churches were filled with great people who loved God. And that was part of those stupid years that Pastor Noe talks about that he went through when he was nine and ten years old. Since then, he's gotten a lot smarter, yeah. But, you know, I don't know if you know it or not. Do you know churches can inflict pain on preachers? And, and it's perhaps the most painful thing that, that you can deal with. I mean, I mean, you know, I know there's a lot of painful stuff in the world, but, but anyway... When we started Harvest Time Church, I didn't realize it, but I had, I had built a fence around me. I don't know that I ever said it out loud where I could hear it with my ears, but, but I remember saying many times, I'm not going to put myself in a position where I can be hurt like that again. That's where some of you are right now in your personal life. Maybe you had a disappointing marriage, or maybe, maybe you had a disappointing home life. Maybe, maybe your employer did you wrong. Maybe, 
maybe, I'm not saying none of those things don't matter. They do, and they hurt, and I understand that. But let me tell you what happened to me is about two years into, into harvest time, and God has always blessed harvest time. Since the, since the inception, He's blessed this church. Not because of me, but because of who He is. And you know what I learned about two years into this? God had sent us some of the most awesome people in the world that was helping uh, make harvest time what it is today. And I began to see the same fence that was protecting me from hurt was keeping out the blessing and favor that God wanted in my life through the people that surrounded me. And I began dismantling. You know, it was easier to build a fence than it was to tear it down. But I began systematically dismantling that fence. I began dealing with the issues in my life that had created hurt. I, I began, I don't know that I hated anybody, but <laughs> I had a strong dislike for some. The, uh, and, and I began to deal with those hurts and issues. And when I began to take that fence down, boy, the love of God just began to flood into my life. God began to send people into my life that I could trust and love. And that's where some of you are today. And I'm going to challenge you before you leave this place, deal with that. Because, yes, you're protecting yourself from some hurt, but you're hindering what God wants to do in your life. And you need to deal with that today and, and get it out of the system. Now here, the older son was in the field, and when he approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he summoned one of his servants and began inquiring what these things, what is all the racket? That's what they, What's all this loud music, all this uh, stuff going on? And he said to him, your brother has come, and the father has killed the fatted calf, and because he received him back safe and sound, listen to what happened in the older brother's life. He became angry and was not willing to go in. He put another fence post down, church. He strung another strand of wire around the top. He said, I am not going to go there. And his father came out and began pleading him. God, do you understand that's the reason you're here today? God's pleading with you to deal with this. God's pleading with you to give your heart to Jesus. God's pleading with you to get this thing right. God's pleading with you, please come and visit me. Don't wait till Thanksgiving. Don't wait till Christmas. Come, every day is special. I want to be with you because I'm for you. I live in you. That's the heart of God. But the older brother said, I ain't having nothing to do with it. And the older brother answered and said to the father, look, 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 look. You don't understand. How many times have you said that? Oh, if they just understood. They don't understand where I came from. They don't understand what I've been through. They don't understand. Now look, for many years I have been serving you and never neglected the command of yours. And you have never even given me a young goat, much less kill the fatted calf so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who had devoured his, your wealth, notice this, he said, he didn't say when my brother came. What did he say? This is your son, ain't my brother. You see that? That's because he was living in the house, but he wasn't living in the father's presence. He didn't know the father's heart. He, he didn't know how the father longed for this brother of his. He didn't know what the father was even thinking. That's because he lived in the father's house, but he didn't live in the father's presence. Now notice what happened. And the father said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for your brother of yours, this brother of yours. He didn't say my son. He said this brother of yours was dead and began to live and was lost. Now let's talk just quickly, very briefly, about the results of being in the house but not in the Father's presence. First of all, do you see yourself 
in these. Here it is. Living in the Father's house, but not in His presence makes you a victim to your emotions. Can I say this? Some of the meanest people I've ever encountered have been in a church. I'll guarantee you. I'll guarantee you. Some of the best lying I've ever heard has been from the church. See, people that are in the house doesn't necessarily mean they have the heart of the Father. Now, I'm asking you this morning, do you have the heart of the Father? Have you taken time to know the Father? Do you know how He feels about you? Do you know what He wants for you? Do you know what His plans are for your life? Do you know the Father? You only know Him through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word. Do you know Him? Well, I I think I do. Well, now let's look at these five or six things. How do you handle emotion? Do you fly off the handle? I don't like what Pastor Noah did. I'll tell you them, I don't like that concrete floor. Do you think that they really meant? You see, you, you are led by your emotion. It's the same thing is true. <clears throat> when the presence of God is being manifest, you get the warm fuzzies. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You see, <clears throat> I mean, all is real with the world. And then you walk out there and and you eat your kid out. Because you're led by your emotions. That's an indicator that you need to get closer into the presence as well as into the house. Now notice the second thing. Makes you suspicious and judgmental. I'm going to tell you what, Daddy. Listen to me. Listen to me, Daddy. You don't understand about this son of yours. He's been out there sleeping around, wasted all your money with them prostitutes, been doing dope, drinking, buying them Maseratis. Truth is, he probably didn't know nothing about where the boy had been, didn't care enough to even ask. You see, it makes you suspicious. Let me tell you something. You know, I've learned this. That when somebody judges somebody, they judge them in light of what they would probably be doing. Now, if I had all my father's money and I was out there with nobody, now this is what I'd be doing, but I'd be sleeping around that one I'd find. Now, that's what he's thinking. So he accuses his brother of doing that. Now, the third thing is this. Because you lose out on the benefits of sonship and ownership. What did the father say to him? Oh, son, I'm so sorry I never did give you a goat. He said, son, listen to me. Your brother has already wasted his inheritance. You still got yours. See, many of you are mully-grubbing through your life not realizing that your father has given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. You have it. It's already yours. Your name is on the title. It is yours. You have it. Why are you living like you're living? Why are you being controlled by your emotions? Why are you allowing your feelings to dictate how you feel and what you do? You need to understand. You're losing out on the benefits. I spent a number of months preaching to a congregation that had been steeped in the consciousness of sin. It was a denomination, but, but it was kind of like, you're a sinner. You're always going to be a sinner. You've always been a sinner. And if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't be a worse sinner than you already are. They had a consciousness about sin instead of a consciousness about grace. You see, they had not met the God of the New Testament. They had not come to the place where they understood that the Father had accepted the death of Jesus on the cross for your sin. So in some way, I'm still trying to atone for my sins. No, 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 no. I can't atone for my sins because my sins are beyond atoning for, but Jesus has. So what I do is I say, I'm a son of God. 
somebody was telling me something the uh, other day that they was out on the job and, and something had gone wrong and they said, God bless this wall. And somebody knew he was a believer and came back by and walked back up and looked through the door where he was working and said, did I just hear you bless that wall? He said, listen, there's already been enough damning going on. How, how do you respond? Are you being cheated out of your benefits? Find out what your benefits are. Some of you won't even change jobs unless you get better benefits. But you don't even know what's prepared for you in heaven. Here's another. brings isolation and makes you vulnerable. Do you know the more offended you are, the more offended you get? The more unforgiving you are, the more unforgiving you get. The more judgmental you are, the more judgmental you get. Why? It's a natural progression. We become what we concentrate on, what we think about. So you see, isolation. What did, what did the older brother say? I ain't going in. I'm going to stand out here and pout. I can just see him hold his breath. Maybe, maybe he fell in the barnyard and started kicking. Why? Because he didn't know the Father. Father's for him, not against him. Causes you to overemphasize on the importance of works, good deeds, and the lack of sinful life. That, my friend, sums up the church in general. It's all about what you do. It's all about the good deeds. It's all about the bad stuff you don't do and the good stuff you do. God says that's important. He said you shouldn't neglect this. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? And old Martha, she was in the kitchen just getting supper ready. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha come in there and said, don't you care that I'm in the kitchen slaving over your supper? Don't you care? You ought to send my sister in there. I said, Martha, 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 you trouble yourself with a lot of stuff that don't mean nothing. Mary's chosen the important thing. He, she's in my presence. I told pastor the other day, you know, a lot of the stuff I used to worry about as a young pastor don't amount to a hill of beans now because it had doubt to do with what needed to be done. Now listen, one other thing you miss out on and you miss the party. <coughs> you understand that? What was going on in the house in the presence of the Father? What did he say he was going to do? We were going to have a what? Going to have a what? Going to have a what? I ain't going in. I'll miss out on the party. Now we got to quickly cross. How do I get into his presence and stay there? How do I do that? First of all, and here it is, and I, I was talking with Heather a little bit this morning, and, and, and you know, I said, Heather, you're preaching my sermon. Because he said to me, I realized that. Most of what had happened to me was my own fault. Now that doesn't exclude the circumstances of our life, and there were many circumstances. But you see, the reality is, is you can make a decision today to get honest with yourself. I believe personally I believe the undoing of our society has been because we have allowed our children to escape the responsibility or the consequence of their actions. That we have allowed our children to do things without a consequence. We have done it in every area of life. We have given the sluggard on the little league team and the one that worked the hardest the same trophy because we didn't want anybody to be offended. So here's the sluggard who says over here, well, I don't have to do anything. 
I'm going to get a trophy just like Johnny does. And Johnny's working his career off, you know. You understand what I'm saying? And most of us in this room have been guilty trying to help our children have a better life than we had, have been guilty of that, that thing. We have set them up for failure because we have not held them accountable. They don't know how to get honest. They don't know how to accept a consequence. Well, honey, I know you'll do better next time. I remember my first year as a junior in high school. First year as a junior. I, uh, I didn't have enough credits to be a senior, so I was a junior too. Listen to me. All year long, I got a perfect attendance award. I was not tardy. I was not late one day. I got a credit and a half for the whole year. That translates into how many credits does it take? Yeah. Now my mother should have took me out behind the woodshed and beat me senseless. And said, well she should have done it earlier. Said, you will do better. You know what she said? Well, you know, honey, you'll do better next year. She was a godly woman, but she loved her baby. See, God loves you, but He doesn't love you enough to let you escape the consequence of your actions. Get honest with yourself. Secondly, you have to take ownership. I have sinned. That's what the younger, we're back to the younger son now. Remember what he did? He said he came to his senses. He got honest with himself. And he said, how many in my father's house are absolutely having more than enough to eat and I don't have nothing to eat? I'm going to go back because I have what? Say it with me. I have I have, boy, y'all sure have trouble with that word. <laughs> Send. Because we don't like to admit it, church, but it cheats us out of the Father's presence. He took ownership. Thirdly, listen, sin always has two levels, God and man. Sin against heaven and against the Father. Repent, change your mind. Hear and take action. You know, Heather, I was amazed at you. She came, she called me the other day, and, and I called her back, and she said, I want to apologize, and I've been, I've been, I've been, I've, I've been thinking about that. And so this morning, one of the things that she said to me is, Brother Jim, I just want to apologize for the hurt that I caused you. And you know, Heather, the only hurt that the Escobar family ever inflicted upon me was the hurt that I sensed when I saw you wasn't walking in everything God had for you. That was the only thing, you know. I wasn't offended because they did this or that or something else. But, but I thought, man, what an awesome day that, that she would come and, and say to me, came to her senses, I have sinned. I take responsibility. I repent of my action. Oh, hallelujah. Number four, follow through. I will get up and go. Some of you are going to leave here today with good intentions. Boy, I, I really like what Brother Jim said, and boy, I really want to get into that. And, and you'll go out there, and you'll never do another thing with it. You've got to follow through. I will get up, and I will go, and I will say, and what did he do? He got up, he went, and he said. So you have to do that. You have to follow through. And number five, accept Restoration. I don't want to ever hear you say to me, Oh, Brother Jim, I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. I'm going to rebuke you to your face. You're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You was a poor old sinner. You got saved by grace. Now you're a child of God. Now you're walking in the favor of God. Now you have the God, the Holy Ghost living inside of you. Now you are. I was, but I'm not. Now I am, because why? I 
came to my senses and I came to my father and I said, Father, I want to move in with you because it's better here than it is there. Some of you have been lying to. Some of you have been, been, been lied to. You, you think it's going to be better out there. No, I'm going to tell you it's better here. It's better in his house and in his presence. That's where we need to be, except restoration. Listen, if you have trouble acknowledging who you are in Christ, get your Bible out and begin to read the Bible says who you are. Who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are the son and the daughter of God. You have a future and a hope. Find out what God said about you. Quit believing what somebody else said about you. And let God restore you in the midst of that. I want to close with this. It's a powerful thing. Sharon is a friend of this fellow who we can't pronounce his name in Africa. He's got one of those hard names. Like when you come to the Bible, you're reading in the Bible, and you come across one of them names about that long. What you do, instead of trying to say it, you say, hard name, and go on. <laughs> Just a whole lot easier, I'm telling you. Now, anyway, this fellow with a hard name said this. I'm going to read it to you. Solutions are available for the patient seeker. Matthew 8, 1, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Brethren, in his earthly sojourn, Jesus was not chasing the multitudes. They were chasing him. Today, we are chasing the multitudes, but they seem to be eluding us. Why did they chase Jesus but run from us? Simply because we lack what he had. There is a divine magnet that attracts multitudes. Whenever that, whatever, wherever that magnet is, people will gather, not because they are cajoled or forced, but because they find it difficult to resist the divine force pulling them. Jesus was frequently on the mountaintop. He was the busiest minister the world ever knew, yet he created time to always be in God's presence because that's where the magnet is. The divine magnet that attracts fishes to your net is on the mountaintop. The more you tarry, the bigger the magnet and the impact. Cultivate the habit of being in his presence on the mountaintop Power is transferred to you to deal with the challenges in the valley. Did you hear that? On the mountaintop, in the presence of the Father, is where it's transferred to you and causes you to be able to walk through that. When Jesus descended from the mountain, he touched a leopard and was instantly healed. The solution to your daily challenge is available on the mountaintop of his presence. Decide today to always be in His presence. Pursue God and stay long in His presence. Great contracts, customers, blessings, and opportunities will pursue you. It's a spiritual thing. And he ends all of his letters with shalom. And then there's the hard name. What am I saying? I'm saying that there is a place that you can live in. In the presence. Not because you have a warm, fuzzy feeling. Not because there's a great praise team play, play, playing and singing. But because you have met the God of the Bible. And you said, yes. Now I'm going to ask you this. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him like that? If you don't, determine today to get to know him. Say, Holy Spirit, introduce me to the Father. And the Holy Spirit's going to say, okay, let's spend a little time and I'll show him to you. 
And then he's going to say, I has never seen, nor has entered, has ear ever heard or even entered into the heart of man what great things the Father has bestowed, has reserved for those that love him. Do you know him? Will you get to know him? I pray that I have stimulated a holy unrest in your life. I pray that you'll never, ever be satisfied to only be in his house, but not in his presence. I pray on Tuesday morning at 3 o'clock, when something wakes you up, you say, Father, you got this? That's presence. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us as your children to understand this, that you are for us and not against us. That it is the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That you came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Father, for those that are struggling with hurt, heal them. For those that are struggling with doubt, reaffirm them. For those that have financial needs, provide for them. But Father, may we all leave this place more aware of your presence than we ever have been. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Lord, bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.